riding down the Harland Highway. But all right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the theme music. You are on the Harland Highway podcast. Yeah, point to it. Feel free to point. You want to touch it? No. You can touch. You want to? I don't want to knock finger something it. down. Finger bang it. I don't want to finger knock. bang the logo, Dane. Oh yeah, you just went to third base with my logo. Oh, you dirty, heavy petting man, you! You just finger fucked the logo. Is this that the, is that a first? This looks. Gr- I've never finger fucked a logo before, just but did, this looks guy. great, man, and I'm very happy to be this here. Wild. This wild. It's exciting to be with you, Harland. It's exciting to be with you. We've got a lot of history, and we're going to get into it a little bit today. We should. But uh, before we start anything. And I know, I know you. Is this a, an ad? Is this ad placement no, already? It could Before be. Before we start, it could be for you. Here's my very first question because I've always wondered, and I know I, I don't even know the answer. But you have a question that you don't know the answer I to. Don't know We've the known answer. each other for millennials. I know millenniums. Aren't, it's not a group a of long pe- time. people. Aren't I think millennials that, I think that's kids? what they call the next. Yeah, like we're not a part of that apparently. Well, then let's take what we know, okay. what we are, and yeah. ram it into a brick wall in a van. How <laughs> let's about ram that? it into this. Let's ram it into a and logo. I'll, I'll finger diddle it. <laughs> you know, you, God, you're almost like a priest. The way you did that, it was very priestly, bro. I will forgive you of your sins. <laughs> I will forgive thee of thy logo. All right, stop doing I that. Know, That's it's getting true. it's funky. Oh, smell your fingers. Why? Did you paint it? Is no, it it's finger? got logo taint. No, mine oh. smells like the moisturizer that I used before oh, okay, I came. Okay. Wait, you have a question for me yeah. that I'm, I'm. This is breaking okay. news because I think that we know yeah. each other very well. Go but ahead. This is something I don't know. What is a Dane Cook? cologne like like you know all these celebrities make a scent what's your scent like if you could slap together ingredients okay what does this dane cook and what's the name of the fucking thing okay first of all it's called splash <laughs> oh, oh little daryl <laughs> hannah no, it, i'm not done yet it's splash and dash <laughs> it's the name of the scent and when you first put on yeah it's got like it's got mint there's a bit of a mint, yeah. and then it kind of almost like uh, it almost subsides into like a, a Cold Stone creamery wow. uh, t- cake batter with Oreo kind of mix. Wow. It would have to change as the day goes on because that's really what people think of me is I'm a random individual, yeah. and so the scent would have to probably coincide with my... Dude, Jeffrey Dahmer would eat you in about a minute with that stink on you. <laughs> Have you watched that, by the way? I started. Can we to. not talk about that? We can talk. I just I tuned out. I man. can't. No. It was. It was like it just it got boring because it was like, why am I supporting this creep? It was really yeah. It was it was unsettling to a point where you really couldn't uh, enjoy eating uh, your meal, which I probably should have done at the beginning of. Oh, you were eating while you're watching yeah. Dahmer. Yeah, and I'm a meat eater, and so I had myself oh. a little steak over there from Boa. And I found myself cutting really? into it at, at, at exactly the right wrong time. Just to get into the theme of the show, did you dress your steak up with in a little outfit and then undo it? And this like maybe was like a, a little human or something. I I would uh, no. It was it was nude when it hit the plate. Oh, it was nude. Okay. <laughs> no, freshly that's the right shaved. One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, splash and dash. Look for it. It's yeah. going to be this this fall, which oh. is we're in. It'll be out in about 10 minutes at uh, Macy's Men's Store, Splash and Dash. Well, I'm going to tell you what's in mine, but I'll let you name it because I don't have a name for mine. I like that. But I think mine has a little, because I like to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. So mine is speaking of serious. I have a little 
hint of Charles Manson. Okay. Maybe a, a li- little hint, a little hint okay. of uh, <laughs> lasagna. Mm. And then maybe, have you ever sniffed a roller coaster seat at, Do- at Dollywood? Like, have you ever put your nose I have down? Not, and just, I have not had that experience yet. But I think by proxy, I've, I kind of know the yeah. the pungent yeah, wafting yeah. that you're talking about when people are getting off the, the ride. Is pungent a, a race of people, by the way? Or is that no. just a word? No, that's uh, pygmies. Like pygmy, okay. Well, that, I'm going to, can I add that to it? <laughs> yeah. So, Charles Manson lasagna. Yeah. The stink of a roller coaster seat at Dollywood. Okay. And pygmy reek. Okay. And what's it called? Can you name it for me? Yeah, we're going to think about that. Uh, we're going to call that... Uh, we're going to call that... Um, oh, it's like, I think I have the first part of it. Wait, it's called... Uh, fuck! It's called Fuck? No. Okay. No, no, it's called... It's called I like that Because um, I have something around the Manson. It's called... Uh, I like Fist, fuck. Fist Jam McGillicuddy is what it's called. Fist Jam... McGillicuddy. Yeah. Fist Jam McGillicuddy wow. is the name of the scent. So it's got a little Scottish in it. <laughs> a little Manson wow. because, you know, his real last name was McGillicuddy. It Manson was? McGillicuddy. No, dude. No, of course Holy not. Holy fuck. First rule of improv, man. Oh, dude. Wow. <laughs> Manson McGillicuddy and his dad actually owned the, the amusement park with the... Dollywood. Yeah. So, and oh. he was an investor, early investor. Okay. And everybody knows that you'd get off the roller coaster and you would eat... Lasagna, lasagna. At, the, at the place called yeah. the lasagna pop-up stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sniff the seats. <laughs> and sniff the seats. What's the worst thing you've ever sniffed in your life? I don't even know why I'm asking, but it just po- What's the worst stink you've ever walked into? When I first lived out in L.A., yeah. a buddy of mine let me crash on his futon on Gower, um, oh. Gower and Vine. And, oh. and I asked him one time, I said, how long have you been sleeping on this futon? He's like, for years. And I did you ever wash it? And he goes, smell it and tell me. And I made the mistake of just like putting my face right on it and going, no. And I can't even describe, like, I think I traveled through time, went back and just like tried to stop myself from doing that, <laughs> yeah. but it just didn't work. When something <laughs> stinks so bad, it makes you time travel. Yeah. That's a stink, bro. Yeah. You want to go back and save yourself from smelling it in the first place? Wow. This imagine, sounds like a movie we should write. We should write. We should, I mean, can you <laughs> imagine of <laughs> one of your uncles at Thanksgiving dinner farts so bad that you time travel? Like, it, it stinks so bad you go back and see a Stegosaurus in the Paleozoic era. What is it about uncles that they're always the ones that we pin all the grossest, creepiest, most fucked up shit on, right? It's yeah. never your aunt in that story. Yeah. It's never a cousin. Yeah. It's the uncle. And he's got, he's got, he's got like, you know, there's always, whatever the ailments are, whatever the creepiness, yeah. we always refer, even in stand-up, it's always like, somebody's got an well, uncle. And you know what? I'm an uncle, so let's knock that shit off. All right, let's try, let's change the stigma. Well, are you an uncle, though? I'm an uncle, and I have We're nothing but uncles. love in my heart. Yeah, but. And we, I don't fart at the fucking dinner table. I don't know, do you? Have you? I d- what else do you got on the question list? Can I tell you once I did a I did an indie movie yeah. called Family Tree and it was all about the family coming home for Thanksgiving. Okay. And we had a scene where everyone's at the dining room table. Oh, like no. it was like 18 people. Okay. Turkey, the set was dressed. And I was the guy over at the side, like getting the cutlery and bringing it to the table. Yeah. 
And I had built up like a giant whopper, and I just let it rip. In the scene. In the scene. But they didn't know, or they did hear it? They they didn't know, but I lost it. I started laughing, so I had to reshoot. Oh, my God. But I did it on purpose. It was really mean. I had a gig about 15 years ago that whatever I ate beforehand, when I got on stage, my stomach was doing like topsy-turvy, and I just kept crop-dusting my own stage and, and people were sitting there like watching the show <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they were i could tell that they, they were like it was like the most sour smelling Dude. air biscuit that i'd ever <laughs> that even when i was walking back and forth i didn't even want to walk back through it so i would stay over here and do wow. some wow yeah it was pretty it was pretty gnarly you just pretended you were working the stage but you were trying to stay away from your own death but i wa- but i watched as other people were getting angry at the people around them trying to figure out who's doing this dude i did i be honest i've done it too i've yeah. even seen people in the front row just go <laughs> like they, they do that like epileptic seizure face like they just got hit by a van and they their, their nerve got tweaked. on the on the harlan highway on the harlan highway so speaking of movies yeah. dude before we get too deep into this let's tell everyone where we're going with this yeah we we um we have a long history not only in stand-up right like we have a long history in stand-up that predated movies right but one of the highlights in my career and i know yours because it was your first starring movie right you you were the lead in a movie called employee of the month with yep. jessica simpson and then i and got Dak shepherd Dak shepherd and then i got cast in it and andy dick and we had the most fun on that movie um can but i've always you know i've never even asked you this what was the process that that movie came to you? Because you were you were hot as all hell, and you were probably getting thrown different scripts, or were you? Or was this the there was one? two movies I've been off, only two movies okay. at that time, yeah. And it was both Lionsgate, and they came to me and they said, "We we you know believe that you're building this fan base, and that your fans would like to see you in films." Yeah, I was already knowing if I could do anything, I was like, "I'd love to do an ensemble piece," because I thought then it's not all on you if yeah. it tanks. And it'd be fun, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. like you don't know how many you know step up to the plate moments you might get doing movies. Stand up is yeah. different. Yeah. And so they handed me two scripts, and one was Employee of the Month that Greg Coolidge was going to direct, yeah. and I read that, and I was like, "Oh, this is like really charming, and with the right cast, I think it could be funnier." Yeah. yeah. And the other one was called Beer Fest. Oh yeah, the guys who did uh, the cop, the what's that cop movie, the Lizard Brothers? Uh, yeah, they yeah. So they had they had offered me that. I don't remember the role. Yeah, and because I don't drink, and yeah. I, that was never my forte. I know my stand up fans kind of thought like, oh, I could sell that because yeah. I talk about all that stuff. Yeah, but to me, the third act of Employee of the Month, when it said the thing about the obstacle course and like the whole thing with like the final competition between my character and and, and Dax's Vince, yeah. it reminded me like Meatballs in those yeah, movies yeah, yeah. that we grew up watching, like right. Meatballs or even like a Cannonball Run or Stripes. It had a real kind of like just silliness to it yeah. that I thought could be a blast. So I took that. And, yeah. and then they started asking me, who are the kinds of people that you would like to work with? Yeah. You were already pretty bona fide at that point. You'd had like big movies. Your standup was already, you were, I didn't think I would get that opportunity that yeah. to work with you there, but I was so psyched when you jumped on board that because yeah. by rights, you were looking that you had your own shit going on yeah. and then you're like, 
this looks like it'd be a blast just to be able to participate this and like kick around some laughs. And, and next thing you know, when you said yes, we were all in Albuquerque shooting that over a couple of months. It yeah. was so cool, man. It was so fun. Well, I got to tell you, a big part of it was because of you, because of our history doing stand-up together. Doing stand-up, we, yeah. We, we, we had spent so much time yeah. in the stand-up world. So when I got invited to the party to be in the movie, I was like, let's go. Yeah. But the, the, other, the other script, it was the, the guys who are created Super Troopers. Right. Like that's the Lizard Brothers that yeah. did the, the beer fest thing. That's right. Wow. Hilarious guys. And that script yeah. was, was great, yeah. but it just didn't feel like, it didn't feel like me as yeah. much. As, you know, it was like, all right, that's like Animal House-ish. Yeah, yeah. And Employee of the Month. There was like a charm about it that I remember yeah. thinking like, you know what? This is a great way if it works to ease into yeah. doing film stuff. So I think you made the right choice. I did too. Somebody the other day said to me, I was like, Andy Cohen, you know, Andy Cohen. Yeah. He goes, uh, how does it feel being in a bad movie, Employee of the Month? And I was like, what? I, gotta, I go, I got to tell you something, Andy. I said, people talk about that movie to this day yeah. the way we would talk about what we would consider a movie we love that might have been a bad, like Teen Wolf was probably a bad movie. Yeah. You know, or like One Crazy Summer was probably considered a bad movie. But these were the things that we watched and loved. There was yeah, something. Right, right. And so I told him, I go, like, I go, dude, like, think what you want, but that movie has legs. I go, trust me, I know the bad movies I'm in. Yeah. We don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody's a, talking about it. It's them. a good movie. It's it's a fun, good movie. Like, again, I, I can easily point to ones I don't like or that are stinkers. Yeah. But that, that one. It's got a great story. It's charming. It's got lots of yeah. funny bits in it. it it's I'm got trying a great to get a ensemble. sequel made. Oh, you are? I, I am because I mean, be Lion, Lionsgate owns it. And I pocketed, and I would not want to make a sequel to any other movie that I made. But yeah. the thing about that one that seems obvious to me is if Dax and I, because Dax obviously in his own right, his career is great. He's got his yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. He works a lot. And you go, we could now be the, the dads of the kids that are working down at that you know store. That's and right. train them for their employee. It's like we're like the coaches in their corner. That gives us the chance to come back and, you know, go at it again. And I, I think that there's a story in there that could be a lot of fun if they ever wanted to make it. But oh, it's yeah. Lionsgates. Well, I remember at one point they were talking about making it into a TV series after we did the movie. Yeah. And then that never happened. And then now there's this show on TV called um, Super Center or something. Oh, that's something. right. Yeah, yeah. There, there was like a version of exactly. a big box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what I we never did. saw it, but I saw like a promo and they were all in like blue. Yeah. It, and I thought, okay, that's kind of close to. super close. Did that do, did, did it do it's well? It's been on for like. Oh, I it's on. Four or five years. It might, I don't know if it's still on, <laughs> okay. but it, it's like, it's current. It's, it's only, recent. It's, it's always a nice thing when something that is, is in real time popular it tells you how busy you are i remember in in, yeah. in the whole 90s being so busy that somebody once said do you like friends and i was like i've never i've never seen it because thursday nights was a good club night to be at the at a comedy club at the comedy club, you know, or even yeah. seinfeld it was like i didn't see it till years later some reruns me too right that era we were yeah. just working oh we were working yeah. like crazy the only reason i really knew about friends is because at that time my girlfriend was the best friend of Jennifer Aniston. So I was going up and sleeping at Jennifer Aniston's house every night. True or false? Did Jennifer Aniston work at the Laugh Factory for a few weeks before that pilot got picked up? Because Masada says that she worked down there. Or the rumor is she worked there for a little bit. I don't bit. think so. The only time she said... We're going to say false. I'm going to say eh. false. I think the only time she was in there was maybe she came in to see me. Or I think I brought her in once to help serve... 
when when Jamie did the Thanksgiving oh, that's dinner, right. okay. and I brought I think I brought her in to help serve. Okay, so maybe in some regard she worked at the Laugh Factory. Maybe that was for it. Just a few yeah, minutes. she did a charity two hours <laughs> okay. serving food to people. But right. um, but but she but that's yeah, it's the same thing. And then um, you mentioned like not drinking and doing drugs, and I had the same dilemma when I did Half Baked. I did this movie Half Baked about that's right about dope Chappelle smoking. Brewer Brewer all these. And, and I was a guy who didn't participate in, I rarely drank, right. rarely ever smoked weed. And so I turned that movie down several times, but um, I ended up kind of having the same dilemma you had, where it's like, that's not my scene. I can't relate. And it was, I, I said no to them many times. It was my managers that said, hey, Harland, you, you know, you were a serial killer and something about Mary, you were this, you were that. It's like, yeah. it's just acting. And I right. kind of went, yeah, I guess it is. And that movie has become definitely a cult classic. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. You can't, like, anybody who brings up Chappelle, I'm sure you get it all the time, too. People just, like, hold on to that movie. That's one of oh, those yeah. ones that, that, that... And you were hilarious in that movie. Because oh, I remember thanks. when I saw it, I wanted to be in it. Because I knew oh, Dave yeah. from New York. And I was oh. vying to... I, I think I even wrote Dave, like, a whatever, an e email, or maybe it was a letter. It was saying, like, yeah. hey, if there's anything I could do to help out, I just... We've been working together in New York, and I'm yeah. a fan. And I did read the script. I had oh, a manager wow. at the time. And I remember being like, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And when I finally saw it, I was like, you knocked it out of the park in there. <laughs> Part of the reason I wanted to work with you, too, employee, because I was like, I just know Harlan's going to make scenes funnier. And I think that, that if you – have we looked at – I've seen a few of the uh, outtakes over the years. Yeah. There's so much funny shit yeah. that you lose because you're telling story. Yeah. But, like, man, you were, you were on fire. That whole shoot, you killed it. We had a laugh. And, yeah. and it's one of the few movies. I've only had two movies where I've lost it where I couldn't act because I was laughing. <laughs> right. And Andy Dick Andy was in Dick. that movie. And he had, they gave him these Coke <laughs> bottle glasses. So his eyes were this big. Yeah. And I remember we were in the scene when we're up in our little clubhouse we built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The forklift would take us up to some hidden Yeah. yeah and yours the scene was you were telling us that you <laughs> had fallen for Jessica Simpson right. and you're gonna take her out of and we were sitting in there and, and we were all there and Andy was to my left side and the minute I just looked <laughs> at him, dude. I broke out laughing. Yeah. I, I remember they were getting mad because I couldn't do the fucking scene. And do you remember Andy got basically arrested in the last uh, week of filming? Poor Andy. So Andy, Andy <laughs> is just, Andy's one of these guys, he's just wired to be a wild man. He's, mm -hmm. the, he's funny as hell. But the Very way, funny. The way Brett Favre or Tom Brady is wired to be an all-star quarterback, Andy was just, he's wired to be a wild man. And so they were a little nervous about having him on the movie. <laughs> right. And I remember he told me this. He goes, he goes, hey, if you behave yourself, the whole shoot will have you on this movie. So for the first half, he was like an angel. Amazing. Went to his room at night, didn't drink, didn't yeah. do anything. And then at right about the halfway mark, the wheels fell off, yeah. and Andy was just a wild man. So what he did was he basically like ran through the store one day um, when we weren't filming. Oh, we were in a giant Costco, by and, the way. And yeah. he and he like uh, and, and again, I love Andy, yeah, but he too. like assaulted He's, somebody. He he oh, like he and, did? well, he wow. I think he thought he was being funny by fake tackling people or whatever he was doing. And oh they, yeah, there were some scenes where he was behind me and he was pushing me. We were, where we were running and. <laughs> Because I'm a big guy and I'm a hockey player, I can handle it. But in yeah. my head, I'm like, this guy's nuts. Well, he pushed, a, like, he pushed a stranger and he might have even like, 
inappropriately touched. It was something where they came to me, the producer, and said, "Oh wow, a- a- Andy, Andy's in trouble. Wow, and he's going to have to have a police officer for the remaining scenes." And here's my image of Andy, and this is hilarious, even though it was kind of sad. It would be a two shot of like, say, you and Andy. <laughs> Or Andy and somebody else, and people didn't know that right off the side of the camera frame was a cop. Yeah, so it was something like it, the cop had to be within twenty feet of them, even closer. Yeah, <laughs> even, like, they didn't want him in the store. Yeah, they were said he cannot be on the premises. He can't be in the premises. There's a, an officer of the law within twenty feet. And what did he would do? <laughs> oh no! It's from time to time when the director would yell, "Cut!" Yeah, he would pretend to run away. Yeah, so the cop would be immediately like. And then after like the fifth or sixth time where the cop knew that he was just going to pretend, he really ran away. He ran away. Madness. <laughs> Madness. I mean, he was, I remember one time in between scenes, I was sitting there with, you You were shooting. Yeah. But we were. We all had to be there because one of those cool movies where we're, we're all kind of in the peripheral. Yeah. In, People are moving around. Ensemble, right. So we all had to be in that Costco every day. And there'd be like hour blocks of like three, four hours where some actors were just sitting. Right. And They're the lighting actor, something and you don't even know if you're going to be in it. Yeah. Or you're doing a scene and I'm not or whatever. And and I was sitting there with Dax and Andy and Andy just kept pushing Dax's buttons. Right. Like, 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 I don't know why. And literally Dax got up out of his chair and I had to get up and stand oh between them and go, guys. I literally had to stop Dax from probably yeah. opening a can of whoop ass. I, I almost feel like it was Andy, bizarre. Andy's life is like performance art, and I think that just like instigating is part of what he feels yeah. like he wants and needs to do. But he's genuinely one of the funniest people he's that I've so worked with. So funny, yeah. like it, it's he's one of those guys where it oozes out of him. Yeah, and and it's just he has a way of looking at you, or he just like looks at you with this side eye, yes. or he looks like astonished. Yeah, and you just. It just flicks my switch. I was lucky to get him, lucky to get you. I mean, I thought that the cast that they built out was like, I thought it was awesome. I remember going to work on that yeah. first day and being like, oh, wow, I'm surrounded by very funny people. I'll I'll come off better because you guys were great. It was great. And yeah. you were great. You, I mean, Thanks, I, I was watching you because this was your first thing. This yeah. was like, the, I've been there. I've, I got to be the lead in a That's movie right. too. And it's a lot to carry. Yeah. And you came in every day, professional, prepared, you were go. nice to everybody. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were, you were great. Man. Yeah, man, and we had a good time. We had a blast. And, uh, <laughs> Let's hope, see, I maybe hope... we'll make that sequel, dude. Yeah, we might all be, be back. Great. You but never now in this world Andy? of streaming. Yeah, we gotta get. <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. We gotta we get have Andy. Andy in there. It won't be the same. All right. We'll put him in a straight jacket. You know, he'll be on Zoom in a scene from somewhere. Yeah, we'll get him in there. He works at corporate somewhere else. But you mentioned that you and and. I remember this, and I, I'll be honest, I was always impressed by this and always admired you for this because especially in our industry, the trappings are tough. Like in our early years, most of our gigs were in bars that sold alcohol. And you right. always told me you're one of the few comedians, and I think I really picked up on it because I do it a little bit, but compared to other comedians, you never really drank or got into the drug thing. And I, I don't even know if you've ever had a drink. Have I've you? never had a drink. I love ever. that. Never had a drink or a drug in my entire life. You've never had alcohol to your lips. No, not even in in church taking communion, like drinking the wine. No, no. Maybe when I was little, I would I would probably think if my dad was drinking a Schlitz beer, did he ever like say, do you want to yeah. try it? But I don't remember. That's the best time to drink when you're under seven. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. But no, I just never, I, I, dude, it just never was something I, 
it just didn't feel like I wanted to participate. Tell, tell me the theory behind it. Because I've always had a theory behind why I never did it. But there has to be a deeper theory behind why you didn't. Because let's face it, it alters your brain chemistry. Yeah. So, so yeah. what's the deeper... I, well, I wanted some brain altering when I was a kid. Because I was so like um, nervous in my own skin. Even in like junior, oh, really? junior high school. That, you know, when you're supposed to like be starting to feel like you're coming through that awkwardness. I felt like I was just getting into the awkwardness. Yeah. And my best friend in junior high school, um, Al Del Benny, you know Al. Oh, Al did comedy for a lot of years in LA. Al, yeah. He lives over in Australia now. He was like, before school, the kid who would like go behind a stop and shop and just like get drunk, even before school. And I'd hang with him. I How was old his buddy. was this? We were like 13 or 14. Wow. And he was already at that point being like, even drunk, being like, you don't need this. You don't need to do what I... He wasn't saying you should drink with me. He was saying, don't. you don't have to do... I drink because I'm so anxious and scared. And yeah. he was almost like weirdly being therapeutic as he was like drinking. He was sort of protecting you, it sounded like. He was. Little. He oh, was. That's, that's and it gave sweet. me permission to go. My best friend says, I don't need to do this until I'm comfortable to do it. Yeah. And then by the time I hit high school, I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I think part of it, too, is I grew up watching my dad drink and feeling like... You know, anytime that that beverage gets involved, it seems to throw potential out of whack. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't think I'd never drink. I just thought, like, for a little while, let me see what I can do yeah. sans alcohol. And have you ever wondered what it felt like, or have you ever been tempted or come close, or no. you just like I don't need it? No, it's just not Amazing. even something I like. Rarely will think about to go. If there's ever anything I th I wonder about is when I hear people talk about things like ayahuasca yeah. and things like, like as a person who loves fantastical thinking and loves yeah. special effects and stuff. I sometimes I the look at that and go, stuff. yeah, that, that like I would do that. I think I would yeah. do that if I felt like I was in the right place. You know, I wouldn't do it if you know if I bought it off the street. I yeah, wouldn't yeah, do yeah. like yeah, yeah, no, no. I, you don't so, want to buy it behind a guy at Denny's <laughs> with a you know urine crust on his pants, his brown pants. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I, that's the only thing that entertains my brain once in a while to go like, what would that do to my already crazy thinking? Yeah. You, you know, know? I, I had a similar thought that I always said because I, you know, I also have a deep imagination and I thought, yeah. what would happen if I layered on, you know, LSD or I, I, I never really considered ayahuasca or whatever it's called, little ayahuasca, yeah. because uh, <laughs> I didn't even hear about that till recently. But I always said to like myself... Like shrooms and all that stuff. Yeah. Things that like give you an... You know, I listen to other people talk about it and I find myself going, well, that sounds kind of cool. Sort of fascinating, yeah. yeah. But my my theory always was I knew I was going to get into stand-up and, and kind of into the arts and entertainment. Yeah. And my theory was that, okay, a craftsman or a carpenter has his tools. A politician has this. A car mechanic has his box of tools. Yeah. What is going to be my instrument in life? What right. What am I going to... And I knew it was this. It was what's encased in my skull, my yeah. brain. And I thought, if I'm going to get anywhere in comedy, I'm going to need to be fast. I'm going to need to be alert. I'm going to need to be sure. sharp. I'm going to need to be present. Yeah. And so, do you remember those old commercials when we were younger? Pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, oh what, what a relief, relief it is. is. Yeah. And they'd show the, the, the Alka-Seltzer. they put it in yeah. water and it would start to dissolve. Yes. So in my head, <laughs> I was always like, every time I take a sip of booze or if I were to do drugs, part of it would fizzle away. Okay. And I, I would it. lose my 
part of my instrument, right. which I needed to get where I wanted to go in was, life. But was there ever another side of you that looked at certain people we knew that were like imbibing and getting high and saying, "My now my brain opens up to, was there ever a part of you that was like, oh, I do know for some people, they seem to be even more wildly imaginative on stage or did you always think it kind of slows you down a little bit you know what every time i wanted to go in that direction i'd see something on a and e like robin williams going oh for 15 years i was doing cocaine every <laughs> night and i wish i didn't because once i got off it i was the best i was ever gonna be <laughs> right you know? right right you know what i mean like everyone yeah. had a tragic story and god love him mitch hedberg a guy that i worked yeah. with he he was really funny and really creative and and i knew he did heroin and it just made me mad right i, I was like I, I just wanted to grab him and go dude you've got a gift you've got and i know that that you know people can't help what what they do or yeah. what kind of trappings i'm not i'm not you know freaking out on the guy but it, it just i i was like god don't do that right. you know yeah looking at that is like seeing it as restricting your your imagination and ability to look beyond it. Um, yeah, yeah. I worked with Mitch when I was in the San Francisco uh, comedy contest, yeah. and I made it to the finals with Mitch and Doug Stanhope and myself. And I will tell you, like, I watched Mitch over the course of maybe, like, it was a long competition. I think we were in it for, like, six weeks or eight weeks. And because I got to watch him week to week, it was in uh, 97, 98. He was still kind of putting the character together. He was still kind of yeah, piecing yeah. things. And it was really fascinating to watch what I think was a small era of him, like, really honing in yeah. on what made him so prolific and interesting. Yeah. It was it was cool. It was one of the first times I remember watching, like, real artistry from a comic, you know? Yeah. The comics I came up with were, like, you know guys guys out of boston and a lot of the humor was just like you know you know fucking if you don't like it you can get the fuck out like it was just real tough and yeah, real like yeah, pirates yeah. yeah and then here was this guy who was like really methodically thinking of things in such a unique yeah. way that i feel uh, fortunate to have seen him do some some gigs yeah yeah i worked with him and uh it was uh it was it was really fun to watch how his mind like put stuff together yeah. you know yep. I, I appreciate that kind of comedy like Stephen Wright and guys like that yeah. because what they do is they set up a familiar premise that we all know and like you know I don't know one of his jokes is uh, I like to eat rice if you like to eat uh, <laughs> 10,000 or something or whatever right. yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying, but he would set up like a, a a common thing and then take you on a direction yeah. where you didn't see it going, and I, I really appreciated that. And it was only Stephen Wright, I think, that I could kind of like see a, a, like a lineage because Stephen Wright, growing up in Boston, I remember seeing Stephen Wright one time say on stage, um, uh, it's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. And it was one of those things that like, I can't, to this day, if I hear yeah. the word world or I see a globe, yeah. I think of that. Right. You know, just those little things that they could insert. You know, yeah. you can't see a banana without thinking of Mitch's frozen banana. You know, I can't do it. It's, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. But there's certain things that they just like, boom, yeah. forever. That'll be a piece of his. Get branded on your yeah, freaking yeah, yeah. brain. Yep. Um, but your journey. Like you with Quaker Oats. I can't look at Quaker Oats. Without. And I can't look at, I can't look at. It. There's a couple of products that once in a while when you're on one of your. Dude, your tangents like sometimes you go into these places i'm like 
was that rehearsed? Was that, but like there's a couple of products that once in a while, you know, are like go-to funny words. And I think Quaker Oats. Quaker Oats, really? <laughs> I think you said Quaker Oats one time. Probably, probably. I can't look at Quaker Oats and not be like, that Harlan, man, oh, you God. fucking spun. I thought you meant I looked like the guy on the logo. The old, like, the old creep, the no. poltergeist guy. No, not at all. Okay, okay. Okay. No, you said it one night where you, you in one of your like, uh, you're like a, a, what is that? Like when a rapper does like, you know, a, a, off the top, like a, a, a flow or whatever. Like that's what you get into sometimes. And I think you've gone with a Quaker oh, Oats. Yeah. What and haven't like, I gone with? Uh, yeah. Black Tower Heroin into Quaker Oats. Yeah. Into Jiminy Cricket. And I like, just, dude, you, you, man, you're, you got a wild imagination, my friend. I just let it roll, man. You do. You let it rip like those farts back on stage that I used to do. Crop dusting. Get out of here. I, I met a stewardess once or a, a flight attendant who told me she does that. She says she crop dusts. She oh, no, goes, no, she no. walks up and down the aisle no. and just fumigates the passengers. Oh, yeah. That's the worst And that's where, that's where first class and economy ends. Like a fart doesn't care what class you That's are. That's right. It will assault your lungs and nostrils no matter who you are. Um, Let's have some Quaker oats. Oh, God. I'll Let's go get the it. wig and the hat. Um, but I want to talk, too, about your, your journey at the beginning when you came to town. Yeah. L.A., 98, 97, 98. Yeah, because, you know, I've, I've stood back and I've watched your success. I saw where it all started. And then I've also seen, you know, people who have taken shots at you, which I don't like and I don't appreciate. So yeah. I, I want to do a little bit of an exorcism here today. And I want to I want to tell everybody that Dane fucking earned everything he <laughs> got in this industry. And if you don't believe me, I was with you. Yeah. Every fucking night. All we, those gigs. We were at the Laugh Factory. Yeah. So I was there first. Yeah, and watching me piece together my first album, Harmful Swall. You're seeing in real time yeah. starting to come together. But I was there before you were there, and I came to this town just That's as right. hungry as you. And so I, the owner of the Laugh Factory, Jamie Masada, who I love, he let me go up at that club every single night, and I was there every night, yeah. a warrior dedicated, going up and up and yeah. up and working and working. And then another buddy of ours came along, Bob Marley. Bob Marley, who's yep. from Maine. Yep. And People he, go, Bob Marley, white kid from Maine, yeah, Bob Marley. He's, he's a white comedian from, from yeah, Maine. And hilarious. he went up, and now and now me and him are like, we're just so dedicated, and we're just hammering it. And then about two years later, you show up. Right. And I remember it, you you because I knew all the comics that came through there. Yeah. And they put you on at midnight. Jamie didn't know you yet, so he put you on That's at midnight. Right, right. And you he gave me like six minutes six to minutes, do my thing. And he did that to all the kind of newbies, but yeah. you were the guy that after about half a year, three quarters of a year, goes, you know what, I'm going to push this guy to the 20-minute spots on the late show. Right. It wasn't the midnight show, but it was like the 10.30 That's show. That's right. So now you were doing those, and you were getting a little better and better. You were doing kind of stuff, and I'll be honest, I was watching. Okay, that, the guy's got a, a good good energy. There's something <laughs> yeah. there, but I wasn't blown away. And you were you were up there doing the Kool Aid jug smashing through. Oh yeah, a lot of Kool-Aid. big bombastic stuff, yeah. and not so much about written material or stories at that time. Regardless, it it, it was just it was like I could see you, you were there, but I I wasn't like blown away. And right. then and then you got moved to like. The, the early regular shows where kind of the primo guys would go. 
And I remember, Dane, one day I walked in, and this was after years of watching you every freaking night. Right. <laughs> one day I walked in and I just went, oh. And then the next night I went, oh. And I saw you make your flip. Right. From Dane, the guy looking for it, Dane, the guy working it relentlessly. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I want to stress that because fucking Dane worked his ass off everybody. And, and I'm, I'm sick and tired of people like taking shots at you. <laughs> you fucking earned everything you got. Right. I watched it. And yeah. if you need backup, ask Bob Marley. He was there too. But anyways, you, you kind of flipped mm -hmm. into this zone where it was just like, wow. And you were there. Right. And you, I just want people to know. You earned every second of it, and I remember you told me you lived right by this club. You, I, you, yeah. you were like you, you were within walking distance. I did. I walked to the club, and I used to think. I don't think I've ever told you this. I okay. used to think of you as Apocalypse Now guy because you used to tell me you used to go home. And you lived in kind of this gothic-looking building. It looked like a Transylvania <laughs> castle almost. It was like really kind of cool. It was an old cool. manor. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. Yep. And you used to tell me that you would just go in there and fucking work and write and That's sit it. in your living room. And you and then you'd stay in there all day. And you'd walk to this club, go home. And, Dane, you, you worked for everything you got. And you kicked ass. Yeah, so, man. Thank you. Yeah. And, I appreciate it. It yeah, was, it was true. It was really seeing that it was like you, you come to LA and you have kind of a few moments where people check you out <clears throat> and that first moment didn't seem to impress anybody. And so I knew my Avenue wasn't going to be like, come along, kid, we're going to take you for the ride. Yeah. There, there was no golden horseshoe moment for me. It was like, I'm going to have to figure out how to cultivate and build a, uh, an, an act and an audience on my own. Yeah. And I really did that from that spot, man. Those, those yeah. gigs, those nights, I looked at the animosity years later as, well, first of all, I never liked seeing comics go after other comics because only we know the sacrifice of being a stand-up comedian. That's right. Be, even it's your listeners, it's a lot. It's you give up so much and what you need what you're really fulfilling inside of yourself for a number of reasons i never understood why there was any hostility because there's room for every comic there's no one comic that goes like all right now the door's closed for other yeah there's everybody can have a moment as long as you work hard enough to get yourself to that place so i never i never i never got it I'll tell you what it was. Okay. It was, it was jealousy. It a little was of out that. And, not a little. It was pure out-and-out out jealousy because you, you came in, and as you said, you were just another guy in the mix. But I'm going to say it again. You worked your fucking ass off True. to get to that guy you needed to be to kick right. it to the next level. And not everyone, like you said sacrifices and gives up so much right. it's only the true warriors that right. want it and you That's true. you want it I'll, and you went and got it I'll, and i will say that i appreciate what you're saying and i also understood it took me a long time that some of the people that weren't willing to work hard enough were the ones that were probably saying some of the things that were the most uh you know toxic against you know me Maybe, is but there were also guys that were that were um you know well established that were doing it and i recognized it immediately yeah. as just jealousy because you didn't just like step up you as you know you exploded you're one of those right. rare comedians that had an explosive moment and there's no shame in it there's there's no like 
bowing down to it. You 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 went. You wanted it. You we, went for it, and you took it, and you got it. And we, that's beautiful. We had a lot of um, nights though at that club where, as I was trying to figure it out, you guys were killing. So when I came in, and you guys were already like me and Bob, dude. It was yeah. you. It was Bob. It was Freddie Soto. It was yeah. uh, Soto. It it was there was like six or seven murderers row guys that okay. Mitch. Um, uh, there was like. Oh yeah, Mitch Mullaney. Mitch Mullaney. Like, God rest him. Great guy. Crushing, yeah. crushing. Yeah, yeah. And I'd come from ready. I went from um Boston where all the guys that didn't make it in Hollywood in the Rob Williams era all came back to Boston, but they were crushing. Because they were that good, but they oh, didn't yeah. they didn't make it in LA. Right. So I come up under guys crushing. Then I go to New York City, crushing. Everybody who's up there, young Chris Rocks and all those guys yeah. that are so now I'm like, everywhere I went, it's like, if I don't jump into this stream, so then I come out to LA, and that first year, man, I felt like I felt like I was in slow-mo behind you guys, because I would watch you go up, I'd watch, if you guys went up back-to-back, and I knew I was on that show, I was like, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do at this point? Because you guys were so solid in your routines, and also you were becoming, you especially were like, in your moment, yeah. where I knew people were there to see you, I'm going like, how can I dovetail off Harlan's success to go hey hopefully you'll support me as well you'll dig yeah. dig what i do so it, it was awesome man it put it helped to really put me it put the fuel in my tank being at that club with you guys yeah it was a great time and yeah. tell me tell me about that process when you would go back to dracula's castle when you you i, I know you <laughs> didn't go back home at night after gig and go to sleep i went you, to myspace but you, in your apartment? That was it. Okay. It, was, it was, See, okay, so MySpace was already starting to come into fruition right around 2000. Previous to that, you remember like AOL Instant Messenger, yeah. which was like, okay. So I had a you website. mail. I had yeah. that. Yeah. And, and people, I would allow people to send me mail. Oh. I would allow people to instant message me. I made that private, um, you know, handle public. Okay. And I would go home and I would quite literally sit there not just all night for four years basically i did this yeah. for 22 hours of the day and if you wrote me i i wrote you back yeah. i asked you where you were from i asked you a little bit about whatever and then i would send you a link to stand up that i had recorded like on a, whatever on a device and uploaded yeah. i would go to people ready this is how like obsessed i was with finding my fans if somebody was had written me i would save their tab if i saw it was their birthday i would write them and say, I see it's your birthday today. I just want to wish you a happy birthday. And so I was building out this secret underground fan base. Yeah. And then they were the ones who were like, you should come do a show in fucking Tampa. You should come through Tempe. You should go. And I would start booking based on where maybe like 20, 30, 40 people said they wanted me to come right. to do a show. And I toiled for four years after the Laugh Factory. I'd go home, didn't drink, didn't party. Yeah. Just go home. You didn't and go out to the clubs. Nothing. nothing. Zero. And that's what I mean. You went into this like dark Dracula-like castle. And you, <laughs> you, you, you go. You, you, you know. It's called show business. It's show, and yeah. then there's business. And yeah. what what you did was very business sensed True. and business minded. But even though you did all that to help bolster what you were doing, right? You still had the act and the funny. And the energy and the persona and right. the material. You were yeah. very prolific. I'd go in and see you do new stuff almost every All night, every week. Yeah. And so 
I'm going to say this because it pissed me off. I saw you on another podcast or two over, okay. over the time where I saw you like sort of apologize. You went, oh, I went and I had the spiky hair and I had the, <laughs> you know, the tight jeans. And I'm right. like, folks, Dane Cook no longer, <laughs> he's not apologizing anymore. He earned where he fucking is. He earned everything he did. No more fucking apologies. That's it. And that because I'm following your lead on yeah, this. I love it. Thank you, buddy. Dude, I love you. No, buddy. nobody you, has man. the right to to make you apologize or do anything like that. I, I appreciate and it. again, I was fucking there. I, I saw know. it every night. Yeah, yeah. First, first and foremost is like we came up together. You're really yeah. part of that graduating class that I yeah. had, and so in, hearing in that LA, from you means a lot. Yeah, well, for sure. You know what? It it I've I've talked to you you know about it here and there when we've hung out, but but just I I guess. I just, you know, in this recent kind of era of podcasts, I saw a couple where you were sort of a little bit apologizing about things. And no, you don't have to. You, right. you don't need to. Even so. though some of the things I was wearing back there, I owe people nope. an apology. Not going to let you. Not going to let. Dude, you, you were... You were hot. You were energetic. You were yeah. you were exuding a sexuality that a lot of comics can't or oh. don't know how or wish they could. And I think yeah. that played into some it, of the jealousy. It totally played and into. So you, you, I saw especially the other day where you had a black like tank top on and you were doing like alien noise and it was great. Right. And it's like that. No more apologies. You're done apologizing. That's it. It's the, Dane. we have nothing more to say. Dane is except. Dane. I told you. Yep, Dane kicked ass <laughs> and f you if you don't like it, right? Okay, I'll go. Oh yes. Now I let's switch gears to dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. I knew you would. Let's talk them. about them. Yeah, T Rex. T Rex. Yeah. Why do you like T Rex, bro? You went right to the T dog. <laughs> yeah, because they, there's because there's something about them that yeah, it's like I don't know. They're big and scary, and yet there's something about it like you'd want one as a pet. You feel like if you raised it from when it was a oh, what were they? What would a, a baby, baby T? No, a but what would it? It's not a cub. It's a not tea a, a tea bag. Yeah, yeah. A tea pole. Yeah, maybe a tea pole, like yeah, a tadpole. <laughs> There's just something about them. That I always like when Jurassic Park came out. I remember being oh. like, "I'm not scared of that." Like, I would like to. I would like to floss feel like you, floss its teeth. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what I was going to say, and maybe <laughs> pour, pour some crust and tents in its mouth. And <laughs> wait, what? What's that? Well, because crust and tents. Uh, yeah, you, what's that? I do. I know a lot about. Um, uh, dinosaur dental stuff, and okay. they had nasty halitosis. Those um, <laughs> T Rex. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, they had nasty uh, dental dentalosaurus tetoris is what it was. Called. <laughs> imagine being a brontosaurus, one of those giant things, and you get eaten by a fucker with gum disease. Like it's it's already just. Humiliating enough that you get eaten by What's a your favorite thunder dinosaur? lizard. What's yours? I don't know. You know you know some random one that I've never heard of. I think I like you remember those things? I think they were called Stegosaurus. With or the, no Allosaurus. And they they, they, they were the, they looked like, like a, a tank, but then on the end they had a, a tail and there was a big ball. Like on a the mace. End, like a rock or I know something. That. Yeah. yeah. That seemed that seemed pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I mean if I, I had, had all these action figures when I was a kid of yeah. all these things. Like, if I had one of those today, I would open a construction business and just, like, knock down old buildings <laughs> with that tail, you know? I need everybody cleared out from 5 a.m. to 8. Yeah. I'm going to bring, I'm bring in my dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> if you could go back in time, like we talked about time machines earlier, would you go back and want to see the dinosaurs or would you be scared? 
if I only had one opportunity to time machine for like a day and then I was no longer allowed access oh, okay. to said time machine, yeah. then I'd probably, if I could pick any era, I've always wanted to see like the Rat Pack live, like Vegas, really? Frank and Dean and Jerry. To me, I don't know why I always go to that. But what? if I had a second day, I'd go see some dinosaurs. Wow, let's yeah. see that. Amazing. I love Rat Pack shit. Really? Yeah, man. They were singing and dancing but, and making fun of each other and busting balls. They had women broads, they used to call them. Broads. They were just drinking and partying, and they were in Vegas. Tell me that wasn't one of the... And I knew Jerry. I was very close with Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. I got Hello. a lot of... I got some stories. Hello. But tell me that, that era, like seeing them, knowing what they became especially, that would be fun. So you'd take seeing the Rat Pack over possibly going back and watching The Crucifixion of Christ. I don't need to be there well, for that. Yeah, really. I feel like that would not be like if I know me, I'd be I'd be behind everybody, and then I go, I know how this story ends. Let me find some food. I'm getting a little bit. Of, let me find some of that lasagna Wait. that that the Manson family started near the. Are you telling Dollywood. me at the crucifixion they had snack carts? They did. They did. Yeah, they had they had falafels over there, and they had pizza some pizza. Hey, get your hot dog. Pizza. Get your hot dog before the crown of thorns goes on. Get the your hot crown dog. Of thorns. <laughs> Um, I saw Sinatra live. You did? Well, that does that piss you off? No, no. I told you I knew Jerry, so I was really close with Jerry, and I've seen some uh, never before seen footage. Knowing Mr. Lewis. Oh God! What I, was what was uh, Frank like? I have a good Jerry Lewis story that you'd probably love, but but Sinatra was. I went to um, I went to Vegas like way back in the eighties. I went down there with Norm Macdonald and oh my goodness. and a bunch of other Canadian comedians for stand up. We just went to go to Vegas. We'd never been. So a bunch of us, like 15 of mm. us, got on a plane and we all went. And Norm just disappeared. Every time I'd walk past the the uh, poker table, Norm would just be sitting there. He looked like he was in a coma, like playing poker. Okay. He, was, he was a poker fanatic. I didn't even know how to play poker. So, And do you remember the hotel this was at? Because yeah. a lot of them were famed and now we're not there. But Yeah, it was the, it, believe it or not, right across from Caesar's Palace yeah. on the strip was a Holiday Inn. This was in the 80s, and the guy who booked it all was a cheap wow. wad. So we were in the Holiday Inn. It okay. Was, it was sort of nice, but it was a Holiday Inn okay, on the Strip. Okay, on the Strip. It's wow. gone now. Now I think it's called the Imperial Palace. Or And where was Frank? Do you remember the hotel he met? So might Frank was at the Riviera. Ah, so we man. go to the Riviera, and one oh. of the comedians that, so cool. that I was with was this guy named Eric Tunney. He's since passed, but he was great. He was he was very like starkingly handsome and he slicked his hair back he looked like chris isaac you know that singer yeah yeah wicked uh, game yeah and he, he wore the blazer and he, he and and you know we go to see sinatra and he walks up and somehow he just instinctively knew how to do this and he goes hey and he, he just reached out and handed the maitre d some bucks okay and the maitre d just went yes sir and he took us right <laughs> to the front of the stage there was a red leather horseshoe oh, I love boom. This. yeah and we sat there, and there was Frank, and he with an orchestra. Uh, no, this no. Is, I think there were a few. There were a few players on stage, but it wasn't the full orchestra. Okay. It was recorded, but there was a few live musicians. Got it. And one of my favorite moments is he was singing um, "Luck Be a Lady." Mm -hmm. He was doing all the classics, and yeah. he, was, he kept shouting out to Barbara, "Hey, Barbara!" It's a crowd. <laughs> But on on one there was of probably the, no Barbara. It was just part of his shit. Yeah. But on his one of the speakers, he had a big glass of Jack Daniels, like this huge. Just you could see it in the gold liquid in the ice. Yeah. 
and Sinatra, I swear to God, we, we were laughing our heads off. He, 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 uh, he starts singing. He's like, luck be a lady tonight. He grabs a thing. He goes, I love booze. Luck be a lady. To, like he just, in the middle of it, says, I love booze. And then took a sip and put it back and kept singing. It was like, wow. It was so funny. But so on this same trip, Jerry yeah. Lewis. Yeah. Me and all the. Same um, trip. The same trip. So me, wow. and, me and all the other comedians, you know, this was, we're from Canada, so we're, we've never been to a casino. We, we've never seen celebrities. Yeah. Like, this is in the 80s when, you know, it still wasn't Hollywood North up yeah, in Canada. Yeah, yeah. So we go and see a boxing match. I don't even think boxing was legal in Canada at the time. Okay. So we go to our first boxing match. Yeah. And it's packed. It's in one of these giant casinos and, and, um. And all of a sudden, the announcer goes, I think it was the, the let's get ready to rumble guy or something right. like that. And he goes, he goes, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in the crowd tonight. This was between fights. Yeah. In the crowd tonight, one of the funniest men in the whole world, Jerry Lewis. And he points, and Jerry Lewis is like, you know, 60 feet away from uh, me and the guys. Yeah. And I grew up on this guy. Of course. He was my Jim Carrey when I was a kid. Mine too, yes. And so I'm like, holy smokes. Jerry Lewis and all the other guys like kind of look at me like seagulls, you know, <laughs> and I go, oh my God, should I go say hi to him? Like I was first time I'd really bumped up to a celebrity. Yeah. And this is Jerry Lewis. Jerry Why, Lewis. Yes, and we're, we're comedians. He's one of the kings of the comedy world. Yeah. And so, so they all go. So it kind of surprised me. They go, oh yeah, go say hi to him. And they're like, they almost did it in unison, like eight or nine of them. Like, yeah, go, yeah, yeah, go. go, go, go. And I go in my head, I was going, well, why aren't these guys as excited as I am? Why aren't they going? But I was like, I don't care. I'm going. So I go, okay. And I, I run over and Jerry's sitting there with a gorgeous woman <laughs> and he's got a security guard, a uniformed security guard. And I walk up to the security guy and I go, sir, may I say hello to Mr. Lewis? Yeah. And, and the guy goes, um, yes, go ahead. <laughs> and, so, and, and so I step in a little bit toward Jerry, and, I, and he looks up, and I go, Hello, Mr. Lewis. Uh, I'm a, I just wanted to say I'm a huge fan. And I reached out, and he reached up. He goes, Thank you very much. He shakes uh. my hand. I'm like, Wow, this is great. And then that moment ended, and I was so starstruck. I just was staring at him, and I go, So, how you doing? <laughs> and he looked away, and he didn't even, he just goes, Take a seat. <laughs> He just, he didn't even look at me. He just goes, take a seat. And I was standing there like, like the kid from the Christmas story movies, you know? And I'm just like, my eyes were almost running like fried eggs. And I was like, did he just fucking tell me to take a seat in my head? Like, it's like two worlds collided. Right. Like my childhood hero. And then he just basically told me to fuck oh. up. I go back to the seat and they go, how was it? And I go, he told me to take a seat. And they all burst out laughing and they go, don't you know he's known as the biggest asshole in the entertainment industry? <laughs> I went, you pricks. And so, so that happened. he shook me. your hand. He shook my oh hand. My so God. I got, so he set me up just to fucking sting me. But that kind of followed me around in my comedy career with the Canadian guys for, for about a decade. Right. The running joke was take a seat when they'd oh. see me. I, I love that there's so many great stories like that of Jerry. Because by the time I met him, he was 85 or 86, and he really had chilled out. And yeah. so all those stories, that he still could be intense. He had yeah. an intensity. But I will tell you, man, he was so loving to me. 
Oh, good. We talked almost every Sunday. Oh. And he would call me up. We would talk about comedy. Wow. We would talk about stand-up. And he would call me his son. He was like, we consider wow. you family. You're my son, my boy. I'd call him every Sunday. Hello, it's the Jew in the desert. I want to talk to my boy. Wow, And we, we would talk. Yeah, man. He was, uh, wow. and I got to finally ask him after that. I said, I heard you were a real hard ass for a lot of years there. And yeah. like, you know, he had his philosophy on it like, for whatever that was. But it was like, I got to see a side of him. I think that not a lot of people got to see, which was like a, a a much more subdued, yeah. you know what I mean? And his daughter was around Danielle, so he was just a real loving guy. He was great to me. Well, you know what? That's fascinating. Yeah. You know what's so cool about this industry? My favorite quick Jerry story yeah, was this. About three weeks before he passed away, he called oh. me up and he goes... Um, I'm dying, Hello? He didn't say that yet. Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> he, said, he said, my boy, I have good news and I have bad news. And I go, what's the good news, Jerry? And he goes, I wrote a script, and you're going to be the lead. And I said, really? And he goes, and he told me a little about it. And I go, wow, that, this is incredible. I go, and what's the bad news? And he goes, I'm going to direct it. He said that? <laughs> At 90 years old. He was oh, like, I'm and I said, you are? How are you, you going to do that? And he told me what his plan was for that but it was just one of those moments i'll never not hear him saying yeah. i've got good news and i have yeah, bad, bad news, news. wow <laughs> take wow. a seat take jesus <laughs> the Come script on, was guy. called I'm take a seat it was about a young boy who came and visited a young <laughs> handsome jerry lewis and he overstayed his welcome <laughs> Dude, I was so innocent. I was just, I know, of course you were. Like, and I, I just like stood there frozen like a train was coming. I was like, in my head, I was going, did he just tell me to take a seat? And I'm still looking at and he won't even look at me. He's like, did the other guy usher you out? The the guy who was like, of course. No, you're gonna. I just stood there and it dawned on me. You would think he would know take a seat is the code for get this kid out of here. No, I just kind of went in my head. I kind of went, I rationalized. I went, yeah. of course. This guy doesn't know me. Yeah. What, what is he going to do? Well, I just went up to the cottage last week with my <laughs> daughter and we celebrated. You know, it's like, why would he tell a complete stranger what's going on? Do you on? think maybe he meant take a seat, like join me and take a seat? No, I wish. I wish. Thank you for rubbing it in even more. Thank you, sir. I'm going to tell you to take a seat. Take a toilet seat. How about that? But here's what's so cool about what we do. Okay. Because... You know this. We grew up loving movies. Yeah. You know, we grew up loving the genre. We grew up probably, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming you're like, fuck, I want to be on the silver screen one day. Oh, man. Or more than anything, just uh, Saturday Night Live, SCTV, sketch, yeah. stand-up. Loved and it. And just to maybe rub shoulders with some of these iconic people. Yeah. So I get, you know, this was, when I did the thing with Jerry, I was into stand-up probably a year and a half. Okay. Maybe two years. Yeah. So I was new. I hadn't moved to the States yet. I was just starting to become a headliner. Yeah. Me and Norm MacDonald, we were kind of on the same trajectory up in Canada. And cut to me moving here, me getting things going, cut to 25 years later, I'm on Conan O'Brien doing the show in New York. Yeah. The other guest is Jerry Lewis. No. We do the show, and Co I did Conan probably 20 times, maybe more. Yeah. Conan, we would always shoot the shit. Sometimes he'd take me to his office. This was the one time after the show he goes, hey, I'm going back to Jerry's dressing room. Why don't you come with me? 
So now wow. I go back to Jerry's dressing room. Me and him and Conan are standing there. Mm. Conan's talking to him, and I'm standing there almost trembling, just dying to go take a seat, take a seat. to <laughs> Jerry Lewis. And I almost <laughs> told him the story, oh. but I, I couldn't do it. I was just like, you know what? He won't remember, but I was just... I never held resentment. I loved being yeah. in his presence. I mean, I grew up watching that guy in my basement with my sisters. It was it was amazing. So, yeah. But that's the that's the fun of what we do in the entertainment industry when you end up working with people yeah. you never dreamed. Well, it's like, I don't know about you, but that made me more um, growing up and having had experiences, especially in New York, where you'd finally meet somebody that you'd seen on television yeah. and when they were good to you. And then a couple of people maybe were just having an off day. Yeah. But it taught me like, if I, especially when I meet young comedians, yeah. I try to go out of my way to let them know like, you know, I, I appreciate you. I know what you're going through. Right. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if everybody's always mindful in that way. If people have shit on their mind. I get it. Not everybody's available to be like ready to talk with a young comic, you know, in, in that moment all the time. But it kind of taught me those lessons of like, this. we're lucky to do this. So give somebody else that same kind of enthusiasm that you want. I have a way of, of dealing with whenever a, a young comic comes up to me and says, hey, do you have oh, any boy. advice? I, yeah, I just look at him and I go, take a seat. Take a seat. <laughs> You knew where I was going with that. I, I you did. Knew I you were way ahead of it. I seen that a thousand miles away. Did you see it in my eyes? <laughs> did. Or could you just feel it? Even in your body language, you were getting ready to get yeah, into take yeah. a seat mode. Um, well, dude, this was so good. So the final thing we do on this show, okay. which I I think you'll enjoy, we do a little a little feature called "Words from a Wooden Shoe." I love this. And what we do, there's they're inside this authentic Dutch clog. Yep. And I know you love Dutch size clogs. fourteen. Yeah. Your favorite. All right. There's words in here, yeah. random words, and you're going to reach in, take one, and if it, it sparks a story or a memory. This is um, great. Yeah. And okay. that's how we'll close the show out. Okay. How'd you choose the words? I just randomly just plucked, made a few up. And do you do one too? What do we do? No, just you. If you want me to do one, I will. But yeah, you, you, I would like that okay. as well. I've never yeah. been done, but you do it first, All and right. then I will. Okay, cool. You go, you go first. All What's right. your word? Is it the same word on everyone? No, Why do I feel no, like this is like no, a? It's for I real. No, it's for real. Uh, unexplainable. Okay. Unexplainable is a word that would describe standing backstage at Saturday Night Live. Ooh. Behind the door that we've all looked at and you wait for the person to walk through when Don Pardo back in the day would introduce somebody. It's Saturday Night, Night Live. Live. And I was there waiting for wow. the Don Pardo to say my name. He was still there at the time. And I can hear the band through the door. It's the, it's the beveled glass. And I'm kind of looking through. And it's dark. And I try to explain it, but it's almost unexplainable of that moment where you there's one producer. She's got her hand on your shoulder, and she's going like this, like, 20 seconds. Whoa. And she's listening, and somebody's feeding her. 10 seconds, take a breath. You're going to be great. 10 seconds, and you hear Don Potter go, ladies and gentlemen. And she goes, go, go, go. Dane Cook. In the moment, I got goosebumps. The moment wow. the door opens... It's, I still have not figured out a way. I've written a book and I still in this chapter can't explain what happened to me in the eight steps walking toward the mark. Really? And how I didn't know it was going to impact me. I didn't know how deeply emotional I would be, even though I had to perform. Yeah. It was almost like I could have gotten sick. I was so present in that moment. 
I dreamt about it, man. Seventh grade, I would watch Saturday Night Live and wonder what's behind that door. And I think I thought what's behind that door for my whole life until I was behind that door. And then it all hit me. Wow. Unexplainable. I did a pretty good job explaining it, but there's still a lot that happened in those eight to 10 steps when I see myself walk out and I'm like, nobody will ever know what was happening in my mind in that moment. So are you saying that you sort of like blanked out and went into a dream state or was it vivid or clear? Were you like aware of every single step or were you like kind of aware? It was as if I, it was as if I always knew and I had always known I was there and I'd already been there and I was just re-experiencing something. I don't know if it's because I dreamt it so much and saw it so much, but the whole walk was slow motion where GE Smith and the band is over here and the keyboard and looking at that mark getting closer. And I used to watch the show as a kid. I could see the little mark. Be like, I guess that's where they got to stop right on that mark. <laughs> and Lorne Michael standing in the over and I see him where he's standing yeah. in this, in the hallway and it's all kind of slow motion. And you realize I'm on live television and there's a little kid just like me probably oh. watching this and wondering what, wow, where did he come from behind that door? See? I was behind the door. Well, that goes back to what I said earlier about you having the drive and the will and the wherewithal to go and get it. Mm. And and you deserve that moment Thanks, and bud. everything else. What about you, man? Okay. Come on. We got to do you it. Did, by the way, folks, this has never been done. It's I love all, this. It's always just the You guest. and I are in the never been done before business. That's what we've always this said in our prayer circles. unexplainable right here. In our prayer circles. <laughs> don't tell them about those. God, you want Corey Feldman to come through the door? God. All right, I'm reaching in. What is my word? What's it say? Laughing fit. Laughing fit. What does that make you think of? Oh, my God. Laughing fit. There's probably so many. Maybe the Okay, fr- I've got one. Okay. Oh, my God. I When I was in college... There was a guy that owed me money. And I we talked about this earlier. I, I was not a guy who did drinking or drugs. Right. So in, from, from the time I was 18 to the time I was probably 30, I probably smoked weed seven times. Okay. But there was this guy in college who owed me some money. And he didn't have the money. And he says, hey, man, how about I give you a joint instead? And I was like, I don't want a joint. But I was like, okay. Because I knew <laughs> I knew I was never going to see the money. Okay. So I was like, at least I'll get something. Right. So my buddy at college, Bob, who was a real, we had just the same sense of humor. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he came over to my ap- apartment in college. I rented an apartment with three other guys. And uh, where was this? This was in Oakville, Canada. We okay. went to animation college and right. called Sheridan College. And so we went to my townhouse <laughs> and we were just bored. And I said, Hey, this guy gave me this thing and he had smoked a lot. He goes, Let's spark it up. And I was like, Ah, he, my buddy's hilarious. <laughs> so we sparked it up. And, and of course, it started to hit. And I just started laughing, right? But it, it wasn't uncontrollable. It was just like, I'm laughing. And then there was a cartoon way back in the 70s called The Wizard of Oz. Okay. And it was a cartoon with the scarecrow, the tin man, everything. Yeah. And the munchkins, instead of having like dwarfs, like little people, there were these little animations of teardrop shapes and triangle shapes. Okay. And there was, they had all kinds of them, but instead of speaking words, (laughs) 
they just talk like this. They're like, <laughs> okay. you know, they, they, yeah, like, like gibberish. Yeah, like Snoopy. Remember Snoopy? Now he's yeah. like, yeah, like, or the teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was this weird. So we were sitting there, and I'm <laughs> laughing, and my buddy sees a newspaper. This is in day one, and I'm laying on the couch, and he picks up the newspaper and just casually opens it and starts reading out loud. <laughs> and he starts reading like the munchkins. Yeah. And I found this because I was high. I was, I was dying laughing yeah. so hard that I couldn't breathe. Right. It put you into that next place of like, like I was you're scared. laughing. Yeah. I, I ran to the stairs. I said, you're trying to murder me. You're t-. I accused him of murder. I ran upstairs. It took me about four minutes to just get my breathing back. Yeah. I came back downstairs, like water running down my eyes. I laid down on the couch. He's still sitting there. And I said, okay, read some more. <laughs> like, I just, I loved it. Because how often do you laugh that hard? Right. And I repeated that about four times. And that was probably, I almost, I, I, I almost died. Was that a person that supported you in your stand-up when you first started doing stand-up comedy, Bob? Oh, yeah. Bob, Bob. Bob's everything. He, yeah. he, me and him, our our sensibility, our sense of humor. Okay. We we just supported each other. We I we did it. everything together. That's so, cool, man. And I support you, and you support me. Absolutely, and, uh, my racquetball buddy. Yeah, me and Dane play racquetball all the time. It's really good. Oh, thank you, buddy. Well, you're you're getting better every single time we I play. I have to. Yeah, if I want to yeah. play with you. I got it. We got it, but it's a riot. But um, uh, before we go, yeah. let's talk about your special and talk about yeah. Uh, it's a you shot it up at your house and can can I say something about it before? Because yeah. I've seen Dane's special. He invited me to the premiere at the Man's Chinese Theater. Yeah, TCL now Chinese TCL, Theater. KFC, TCL, KFC, <laughs> TCL, and that's the famous theater with all the concrete footprints yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. Star Wars famously open there. And coincidentally, we had the premiere for Employee of the Month that's at right. that. By the way, which you helped me fulfill one of my Hollywood dreams because one of my dreams when I got into this racket was to always, I always said I want to do a premiere at the Man's Chinese Theater, because right. that's where all the big Marilyn Monroe yeah. and all the famous... It's still the place you want to open anything it's the place. film-wise. Yeah. So out of all the movies I've done in my career, that's the one that we did the premiere yeah, there. So it. thank you for that. Yeah. But then yeah. you did your special there recently. You premiered your special, and I saw you standing there on the red carpet, and it was a proud <laughs> moment. And we watched your special in there, and I, I told you, I said, hey, Dane... Here's my honest opinion. Love it. Because I, I didn't want to BS you because that you don't gain anything from I that. I was so happy when you said that. So I said, hey, you shot it at your house, which is an unusual forum for a stand-up special, but you're talking to a guy who shot one of his specials in out the in the desert with no audience. <laughs> so I watched it, and I was sitting there, and for about the first four or five minutes, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm connecting to this. The, the house setting feels a little foreign to me. I, I like I, I didn't hate it, but I was like I was like I don't know if I'm yeah. drawn in yet. You didn't ease into that. You were right. like unsure. But in, in after watching it all, I'm glad because what happened is at about the four or five minute mark, your first bit, if I can, I yeah. won't say stalker what it bit. is. Yeah, I know stalker but, story. But it refers to a, a really funny, weird event that happened at your house right. where we're watching you perform. Right. And so what it did, it became very personalized. And your story drew me in, but not only that, your comfort level at your house, and then on top of that, the material and the writing, this is about a 12-minute bit. Yeah. 
And I just sat back and went, that is not easy to do. And you just drew me into your special. And, and it was really neat because it wasn't like, boom, I'm here. At first I was trepidatious and then I got yeah. drawn in and I loved being there. It was almost hard to edit the beginning because part of me wanted to get right into something fast. Yeah. But in the edit, it and I tried that, but in the edit I felt like the original beginning I had, which is what I used, yeah. was like... Oh, this feels like I'm easing people into it and yeah. settling in because it is unusual yeah. to, to do a show like this it, yeah. for a number of reasons. Um, but sitting in there and watching the show and being there with a lot of friends and a lot of comics and people I've known for a lot of years, ups and downs in Hollywood, yeah. to have people come up and have like a, a, a party to celebrate this, you know, this dream come true moment was so, so cool. I always wanted to film it there. I moved into my home 12 years ago. And I sat there in the first week of living there, and I and I actually had like a soothsayer moment where I was like, I'm going to film something here on this porch someday. Wow! And um, to finally have that fulfilled is awesome, man. People are people are loving it. Good. Well, tell everyone where they can see it or how they can access it. Yeah, it's easy. Right now, it's just on danecook.com, yep. and uh, that's it. Just okay. go right to my website. If it goes beyond that, I'm sure you'll hear about it. But for now, I'm just going to direct to my fans through danecook.com. Folks, watch this special. It is such a fun ride. <sighs> and uh, oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's great. Thanks, man. Brother. Congratulations. Thanks, and, man. And anything else, uh, your social media or anything else you want to. TikTok is really kind of like the hub right now. So I've okay. been doing that. But YouTube is coming in hot. So YouTube, uh, Dane Cook, TikTok, Dane Cook. And um, I would just say for the next year, if you follow me on there, I'm doing a documentary and we're going to be putting pieces of it behind the scenes of what we're actually shooting the doc for. So it's almost like a rolling. Uh, hype machine that we're creating leading up to next fall a documentary I'm releasing. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if you follow me, you get to see like fragments of what it is that I'm putting oh, together. Figure cool. out the puzzle with me. Little cock teaser. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I never thought I'd be able to say that about myself, but I'm teasing cock. Are you cheating on the logo? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> um, last thing before you go, and I would only let you do this. Okay. You and Jerry Lewis, but I'm going to stand up and once I stand up, I think you know what to say. Hang on. Let me get all the way up. And I'll ask you one question. <clears throat> Hi, Mr. Cook. How are you? Take a seat. <laughs> still hurts. <laughs> it still hurts. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Cook on the Harlan Highway. Thanks for being here. And until next time, look for the unexplainable and chicken chow mein, baby. I love you, buddy. Thanks. Love you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs>